0: This is Dr. Kara Shepherd, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Go Talk with the Goat Doc. This is episode 24, and I'm going to talk about selenium. I've been saying I would have an episode about selenium for a while, uh, and I've been kind of, I don't know, maybe subconsciously avoiding it because it's like a thing that people like, um, and people want to give selenium, and I think that's kind of overrated, so I might ruffle some feathers with this episode. Uh, I might have people who disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, we can always let me know what you think, um, but the uh, my, my goal with this episode is to kind of break down what Selenium is, what it actually is doing, and you know how does an animal need it or a person or whatever organism needs selenium what do they need it for and uh, how how they get it and what I think the best way of managing selenium intake is. As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet, and I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet. So we're going to open the can of worms, selenium, and we're going to start with the basics. What is selenium? what is it doing? Why do I care? Uh, And I'm going to go off on a small tangent here. So to get into vet school and to get through vet school, we have to take a lot of chemistry. Uh, I had to take Two semesters of general chemistry, uh, two semesters of general chemistry lab, two semesters of organic chemistry, two semesters of organic chemistry lab, a semester of biochemistry, just to even apply to vet school. You have to do well in those classes to get into vet school. You may, if you know anybody in the medical community or if you are part of it yourself or whatever, you probably have heard people talk horror stories about organic chemistry. When I went to vet school, uh, I went to Tufts, and part of the curriculum, and I think it still is, but Tufts, like, changes their curriculum a lot. At least it seems like they do. Or maybe I'm just getting old and time is passing me by. But uh, my first year of vet school, a a major first-year class was what we called PCAM, which is Physiologic Chemistry, which then was followed by Physiology. All of these things build on each other. General chemistry, like if you did Gen Chem in college, then you might remember, you know, that's like elements and reactions and figuring out like equations of, you know, if I have this many moles of this and I add it to this many moles of that, what do I get? Um, So that like that's Gen Chem and it's about like the elements and like the periodic table of the elements. And you know, then you build on that. And you go to organic chemistry, which is like molecules and how they interact with each other and different reactions of molecules, like just what, how, how those uh, things move around and interact with each other, building off what you learned from general chemistry then biochem is even more complicated talking about proteins and enzymes and how those things interact and then pchem you're getting like it's almost like you're starting with the smallest bits in uh gen chem so starting with like atoms and like specific pure pure elements uh, and then getting bigger and more complicated as you progress through the chemistries so pcam uh for my course that i took uh dr Engelking king at tufts who is you know like been notorious in that in that circle um for being a, a tough teacher but a good one um We learned a lot from him. And so PCAM is like physiologic chemistry. What is the chemistry of how different things interact? One of the major categories, like one of our big exams in there, was on vitamins and minerals. Uh, So trace minerals and selenium was one of them. So I actually went back to my Google Drive from first year and looked up this big table of vitamins and minerals that I had made when I was studying for that class. So anyway, my point in all of this is that I'm, I'm going to talk about physiology and physiologic chemistry here. And it's kind of, it's kind of complicated, but I'm going to try to explain it so it makes sense. And I'm going to start with like the basics of selenium. Selenium is an element like in and of itself. It's a pure, like it is a pure element. Uh, it's, it can be You know what? I should have looked up, like, what its number on the periodic table is, but I didn't, (laughs) uh and where it is on the periodic table like the periodic table I used to know all the tricks about like which columns were which things uh selenium is considered a nonmetal um it is very rarely found in its pure form in like the natural world um it lines up with sulfur and tellur- tellur- tellurium on the periodic table so it shares um characteristics with those elements because of the number of electrons that orbit the nucleus. Um, And... uh, It usually in the natural world is found as a sulfide ore. So, like, kind of like something that's in the ground and it's not by itself. Usually, like, gold, for example, is an element and it can be found in its pure form in the world. But uh, selenium generally isn't. Uh, It will hook up with other things to form different compounds Um, and in biology it will form up with different things to form selenium salts which are the ones that are like kind of available to organisms to to use because selenium is an important trace mineral for cellular function. So what does that mean? And then we're going to kind of Take a step from like the Gen Chem area to like the organic chem, biochem, pchem area. All all the time in the body there are like billions trillions like so many uh different chemical reactions happening and these things are catalyzed by different enzymes Uh, so enzymes are these molecules that like have an affinity so they want to grab on to certain things and change them into other things and it's kind of wild but selenium is an important part lots of times like uh, enzymes or molecules have a like one part of them that is like a weird uh a weird atom or uh weird component to them. So like a good maybe like easier example than what I'm gonna talk about with selenium is like hemoglobin. So most most of the parts of like our organic enzymes and uh proteins and all these things like it's mostly like carbon and hydrogen and like some oxygens in there some places and like there's like some different side chains and groups and things like that but like we're mostly carbon um and uh but sometimes there's like a a one particular atom in a in a molecule or in a protein or an enzyme or whatever that usually is an important part of that thing that it's involved with so hemoglobin is actually a really good example of a, a molecule in the body that has a small amount of like this trace metal, trace mineral, um, and probably more familiar to everybody than the stuff I'm going to talk about. That is a similar relationship uh, with selenium and the and the enzymes that selenium works with. So hemoglobin is the molecule that's in the red blood cells and. Uh, helps the the carrying of oxygen to the tissues in the body because the tissues in the body need oxygen in order to carry out uh, energy production and all that stuff, which is kind of important. Um hemoglobin has these like four like i think they're called subunits or something like that's got these like kind of like four clumps and each clump has an uh, like one iron on it and those irons are important because um they just the the structure of the whole thing and where the irons are is where the oxygen kind of nestles into that molecule and the whole thing kind of Excuse me. The whole thing kind of changes shape and uh, holds on to oxygen, and then brings it out to the tissues. And then things change out there, having to do with the environment. And then they let go of oxygen, and oxygen goes and does what it needs to do. But like, there's not a lot of of iron turnover in the body, I guess. is is kind of the point there and it's similar with selenium uh iron like things there's always entropy in in any systems especially like living systems so things like break down over time there's always a little bit of blood loss um like this kind of very small amount of blood loss through the gastrointestinal tract in a normal healthy thing um, which is where iron generally would go Um, but that amount is not Clinically significant because in a adequate nutrition situation, and I'm kind of like I'm I'm t- kind of talking about humans right now and like extrapolating to mammals in general because it's a lot easier to find and review this stuff for humans than it is for goats. Um, there's like one special segment in the gastrointestinal tract and want to say it's like the proximal small intestine like the first section of the small intestine and that is where iron can get absorbed um, through the body there's just like special ports that come across cell membranes and that's like oh there's iron let's grab onto it and that happens at a rate that is fast enough to keep up with normal losses of iron and uh, it's also fast enough to keep up with like the bone marrow's Desire to produce more red blood cells, so those things are like happening, like steady-state turnover all the time. I think a red blood cell lifespan is like 20 or 30 days or something like that in a human. Uh, I don't know. I might have heard that on a podcast (laughs) or something recently, so that may not be entirely accurate. But all these things, like you don't have the same red blood cells when you were an infant that you do now. They all turn over, they all die and are recycled, and turned into different things. So why I'm saying that is because, similar idea with selenium. Uh, Selenium is very well conserved and well managed by the GI uh, because... It needs to be. Uh, you need a certain amount of selenium, but you don't want to have too much selenium. Uh, and I actually found an interesting paper. Of course, it's about humans because there's going to be less papers about this stuff for for goats. There's not going to be any for goats. There might be some for, like, dogs and cats. But it's about selenium absorption and excretion and the amount of selenium in the diet. Uh, so the selenium is excreted via urine, apparently, in humans via f- fecal excretion too apparently like some of it's even like exhaled in in respiration uh so that's all kind of wild it's kind of going everywhere but that also reflects like where it is used which is pretty much everywhere and uh but the the interesting thing about the paper is that if you increase dietary selenium then the body excretes more selenium. So bodies, at least the human body from the the best we know, and what they did is they like radioactive marked some seleniums and gave it to people um, at different rates and measured how it came out. the the If you give more selenium, then your body excretes more selenium, which is kind of smart. Um, any of these systems always can be overwhelmed, and that's why it's... Possible to have a toxic situation. So, selenium biologically um, and like biochemistry. Related Selenium is an important part of some very specific enzymes in the body. And these enzymes in the body are largely, like, the, the, there's a couple important ones. So one of the important ones is called glutathione peroxidase. And that is an important one for scavenging free radicals. I'm going to talk about that in a second. because um, And the other important one is diiodinase. Deioden- deioden- Dynases. That's like a hard thing to say. So those are enzymes that deal with iodine. And iodine is another one of those things. It's, an, it's like an element. There's like not tons of it. Um, but it is important for thyroid hormone function. So, um, so I'm going to go back to the glutathione thing. So... Uh, and vitamin E also kind of plays a role here because these things are important for free radicals. What are free radicals? People like probably have heard that before, like what free radicals are, are bad um, and, and what do we do? We take antioxidants for free radicals, right? So, but those are almost like buzzwords now, at least in human stuff, like supplements are antioxidants, like blueberries are antioxidants, and pomegranate juice has antioxidants, and all these things that are good for you have antioxidants. And it's true that antioxidants are certainly not harmful and probably beneficial, but what does that even mean? Um... Because of, like, the billions of chemical reactions that are happening in cells all the time. And because we are, like, an oxygen-based species, like, we get our energy from cellular metabolism that uses oxygen. And basically, it's like this electron, the electron transport chain, um... Which, like, dumps off electrons onto oxygen. Free radicals are oxygen, usually oxygen atoms that have, like, abnormal, and I want to say extra, um, extra electrons, but they're unstable, and they react with other stuff and they can react in a destructive way with other stuff so they can cause that like imbalanced charge on that free radical particle um can cause cell destruction um so there are part of those billions of enzymes in the body. Um, there is the glutathione peroxidase and there's a whole bunch of those and they live in different places in the body. Like there's one for the liver, there's one in the lung, like there's just like generally, um, like the same enzyme, but like slightly different flavors of it in different locations. Um, but that enzymes job is to go around and find those free radicals and, turn them into something that is not harmful to the body. So it will reduce uh, a lipid hydroperoxide. So that like the oxide there on the end um, is kind of the important part. And that's like hydrogen peroxide um, is a a reactive substance. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, So it'll take that reactive... um, substance that is some byproduct probably of some other uh, reaction happening and the glutathione peroxidase will grab onto it and it'll turn it into a more stable and less harmful compound uh, like an alcohol. Basically that's what it does. It takes uh, hydroperoxide, turns it into an alcohol. It takes hydroperoxide, turns it into an alcohol and does that over and over because it's taking that thing that is potentially going to damage cells and it is going to turn it into an alcohol which is not going to damage cells and then it's also going to do the same thing when hydrogen peroxide is formed uh, in as like some byproduct then glutathione peroxidase is going to grab onto it and turn it into water Um, and water obviously is harmless so glutathione peroxidase is a major enzyme in the body that is protecting the body from oxidative damage now oxidative damage and I mentioned like the hydrogen peroxide thing like think about what happens when you pour hydrogen peroxide like on a cut I don't use hydrogen peroxide for a lot of things because hydrogen peroxide is killing cells like it's it but it's killing things indiscriminately so it's killing bacteria or whatever you're your thing is, but it's also killing healthy tissue. I, there's not a lot of instances where hydrogen peroxide is something I grab. Um, I can't think of any. Oh yeah. I just thought of one. I was like, why did I order all that hydrogen peroxide once? And it was because my dog kept getting skunked. So that is probably the most useful thing for hydrogen peroxide. It's also good for getting blood out of cloth, like fabric, like your clothes or whatever, but if you think about that like, blood is cells so hydrogen peroxide, when you put it on there is like, just obliterating the cells it's oxidizing those things, they're falling apart everything's just coming apart and that's what that fizzing action is um, so think about that fizzing action, and if hydrogen peroxide is like, in your body, you don't want that, cause it's gonna fizz, and everything's gonna get messed up um One other good thing that hydrogen peroxide for is killing ticks, which is like if you Google killing ticks with hydrogen peroxide, uh, you find some probably fun YouTube videos. But in general, hydrogen peroxide is not good for the body to have hanging around, so glutathione peroxidase grabs it and makes it into something that is safe. Glutathione peroxidase needs selenium. So like hemoglobin needs iron, and it's like a couple atoms of iron, glutathione peroxidase needs selenium. It's like one or like, I don't even know, maybe it varies a little bit how many, but it's very few in comparison to how much carbon and hydrogen and whatever else is involved in that enzyme. It is usually those, like I said, usually those like... sparse trace elements, like usually they have something to do with like the function of the enzyme. And that's what selenium is important for. Selenium, like I mentioned, the deiodinase iodine- 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 um, enzymes as well. Selenium also has a role there because those are the enzymes that uh, kind of control thyroid hormones, um, which thyroid hormones have iodine stuck on them. And however many iodines are stuck on a thyroid hormone dictates whether it is a functional or like a chillin not active thyroid hormone. So uh, selenium also important for regulating thyroid hormone. So if all of a sudden you take away all the selenium those enzymes stop functioning. What does that mean? So in the world, like in the real world, what does that mean? Selenium. Uh, deficiency of selenium is a possibility. I'm going to talk a little bit more about like the prevention and risk factors and all that in a second. Selenium, so Selenium deficiency is a possibility. Like I just said, if all the selenium just disappeared out of your body, you would lose a major, or your goat's body, you would lose a major um, important enzymes functionality that would be fixing the free radicals in your body so if you don't have selenium you don't have these free radical scavengers and then free radicals will start to accumulate in larger numbers than is compatible with life uh, most commonly, this would be happening in muscle. We're uh, looking for that like muscular degeneration, um, cardiomyopathy. So, cardiomyopathy means heart muscle pathology. Um, and this is what we call white muscle disease. Uh, and that is because, like, if you think about muscle, muscle has a high oxygen requirement, um, especially in a growing animal. that I talked previously about how fast like goat kids grow when they develop their muscle mass Um, they're growing so fast that there's high oxygen demands so the um, if the selenium needing enzymes are deficient then those free radicals are going to exist in greater numbers and it's literally going to just cause muscle death from those free radicals um yeah, so that's that's why in, we call it white muscle disease, because the muscle is white. These can be gross lesions on necropsy, so you can look at, um, like the heart of a critter that was selenium deficient, and you can see it and say there is a, a gross lesion, the muscle looks white, and it's because those cells have been destroyed, um yeah the so then like and that's the thing that everybody freaks out about at least in new england where i live because we are in what's called a selenium deficient area um i'll talk more about that in a sec on the other side of the spectrum is selenium toxicity and this is why like People really like to give selenium and I tend to not give it very often um, because selenium has a very, very narrow therapeutic index. The therapeutic index is like how much safety range do I have in with this particular substance, mineral, vitamin, medication, whatever, how much can I give that animal, like, or, well, animal, um, how much do they need, how much can I give them, and how much is going to kill them? There's not a lot of things out there that, like, if you give too much... I mean, I guess there's things, but, like, there's... Or I'll say it the other way. There's a lot of things out there that if you give too much, you can kill something. I just read today on VIN about uh, a puppy that ate a bag of glucosamine MSM supplements. Now, like, those are supplements that, like, I recommend all the time. Um, They're for joint support, generally for older dogs. But a puppy ate, like, a whole bag of large dog ones, and the, that was the question on the message board. Like, do I, what do I do? I'm going to induce vomiting and give activated charcoal. Is there anything else? Somebody ch- pitched in that they had had a dog, like, several years earlier that had eaten a whole slew of MSM uh, s- joint supplements and had died Um, It came into the clinic with a blood glucose of, like, 700 and uh, wasn't making any urine, like, anuric renal failure uh, because of eating those things. So, even things that we think of as, like, innocuous and not causing harm generally, like, can cause harm at excessive levels. Selenium is not one of those things. Selenium is known to have a very narrow therapeutic index, so giving too much selenium can be just as negative outcome as giving too little selenium, and uh, that's why I don't I don't tend to give it. Um, the mechanism of selenium toxicity, to the best of my knowledge and research is not fully understood like what is actually happening i talked about what is actually happening in white muscle disease with selenium deficiency but what is actually happening with selenium toxicity we don't quite understand um there the, one of the theories is that it may interact with uh, glutathione to do like the opposite of what it's doing and promote the production of those free radicals like super oxidizing particles and promote the production of hydrogen peroxide. So instead of doing the thing that it's supposed to do, which is get rid of those things, if you give too much selenium, you're looking at making those destructive particles. Um, The selenium toxicity can result in hoof abnormalities, paralysis, death, um, can have acute selenium toxicity. You can have chronic selenium toxicity. Um, it's out there. I think a few years ago there was this thing and it was probably like, so it's probably like six or seven or eight years ago now. Um, there was a thing with horses and I want to say it was in like Texas or somewhere in the South, Southwest, or maybe it was even Mexico. Um, but there was a feed mixing Error and this horse feed got delivered and was consumed by horses with a excessive amount of selenium. And it was all these like valuable race horses or whatever. I think it was race horses, um, and a bunch of them died from selenium toxicity. So, yeah, selenium is—it's easy to overdo it. Um, the other fun part about that is that it's not. I guess it's not super easy I'm gonna say I guess it's not super easy to determine accurately what selenium levels are in your animal. Um I think I mentioned the different like glutathione peroxidases and how they live in different tissues. So you can do a serum selenium level, which is, you know, a reasonable thing to do if you're wanting to have an idea how much selenium is in your herd. Um so you could collect serum samples, blood samples from your animals or maybe even whole blood. Um, I think this is one of those things where you can do either or, um, whole blood may be slightly more accurate. I would have to talk to the labs about this cause I don't do it very often. Um, so you collect a blood sample and they come back and they tell you how many like parts per million or whatever of selenium is in your animal's blood. And, and hopefully they have a reference interval. Uh, goats are a minor species, so sometimes you can send stuff places and they send you back a number and then you're like, well, what does that mean? And it can be difficult to have you have someone help you interpret it. The other diagnostic that can be useful for mineral um, levels is a liver biopsy. I don't have a lot of people who do liver biopsies on their goats. Um, I've never, I've actually never done one. If someone wanted to do one, I would be happy to. Um, I'd probably try to get them to bring the goat into the clinic so we had a controlled sterile environment. Um, And... I, uh, the, the, the liver can be a useful sample because like I mentioned, those different glutathione peroxidases living in different areas, the liver tends to hold on to stuff like that. Like the liver is a crazy organ that's doing all kinds of things all the time. Um, and it tends to be a place where, where those things happen. Um, so, liver a liver biopsy is another option there. Um, because of this narrow therapeutic index, selenium has been uh, deemed to have prescription required by the FDA. So that's that's why um, the FDA doesn't want people giving this stuff willy nilly because it is easy to give too much. What is this all? How does this affect you and your goats? Does it affect you and your goats? Should you have selenium on hand? Etc. As I mentioned before, um, selenium, New England in general, is a selenium deficient area. So what does that mean? That's like, if you look up um, selenium deficient area or like selenium map or something like that you're going to get a map and it's probably going to be like color coded and you're going to see like find your where you are on the map and find what color that is and the the map is going to tell you like what the selenium soil levels are new england is a low selenium level and that's just like that's just like geology like that's just the way it is um and it's just, there's not much we can do about it. Um, so the, that is an important thing to know. And then it's important to take that information and not just look at it and say, oh my God, I'm in a selenium deficient area. My animals must be selenium deficient. That's not necessarily true because how would your animals get selenium? Uh, they would get it from grazing. So sure they can get selenium from grazing plants and Uh, Eating hay, and if all of that intake is from your local area where it's selenium deficient, and that's the only thing they're eating and the only thing they have access to, then your animals are going to be at a higher risk for selenium deficiency, sure. But then the other thing to think about here is that the vast majority of our domestic species are not just eating like browse and hay and like I would say the vast majority of my patients my goat patients and my own goats they eat grain Um, and grain is prepared by humans and it is formulated for the species that is eating it and therefore it should be formulated to have a nutritionally adequate amount of selenium in it I Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Ruminants in general, uh, you know, have similar selenium requirements. And uh, like my goats, when they're milking, they eat a 20% dairy pellet, which is technically formulated for cows. But cows also need selenium. And so that's one reason I don't worry too much about selenium in my goats. Um, I don't supplement it uh, routinely, unless I see a problem. Um, I um, I just trust that they should be getting what they need from their diet. Um, my goats also get like a, a mineral. Uh, supplement and uh, mixed in with their grain. All of my animals eat grain. Uh, my my yearling dry does and my bucks don't get grain, like, starting once it gets warm and then progressing through either until they're, for my yearling does, like, in late pregnancy I'll start feeding them grain again, or my bucks, when it's, like, time for them to come into the rut and they need to perform, I will start feeding them grain again, but they should be getting adequate selenium from their diet. They don't need a lot of selenium. How else could they get selenium? Uh, so there's like oral, um, pastes that have selenium. I don't know, I would have to look them up because it's not a product that I use. Um, I don't know if those require a prescription or not. Um, but you know, that's an oral, like in a tube, kind of like a dewormer and you figure out how much you want to give and then you give it. Um, so that's a, that's a possibility. And those usually have vitamin E. Um, and vitamin E is related to the whole thing because vitamin E is also a good like free radical scavenger. I'm not going to talk about vitamin E very much right now. Um, and then the last thing that everybody gets excited about is called BOSE. Um, or some people say BOSE. Um, B-O-S-E. And that is the injectable selenium uh, supplement. I've never routinely given selenium to my goats. Um, mm. Uh, Some people really like to give a lot of selenium. Things look funny, they give selenium. The doe's going to kid next month, they give selenium. Like, I just don't do it because I know that... There is very narrow narrow therapeutic index for selenium. Additionally, the uh, active time of, like, duration of action for that injectable selenium is pretty short. So it's there and then it goes away. I can't really tell you why, but that is just kind of, like, the understanding of how it works. Um, The... In my, like, in my general feeling about most of these, like, nutrition things is... Because, like, selenium deficiency is a nutritional problem. It's not something that should really, like really change much about the performance of your animals um if it is nutritionally adequate either it is or it's not like if you think about all that biochemistry i talked about a few minutes ago like there is a finite there a finite number of glutathione peroxidase and iodinases in the body so there's like 80 of those and if each 80 gabillion of those needs one atom of selenium then it needs 80 gabillion seleniums it doesn't need 100 gabillion seleniums like those seleniums are just gonna be hanging out they don't they're not doing anything um you could make an argument i guess for like loading those enzymes and uh like, if this is a deficiency, they need to have a, a slug of selenium to provide it for those enzymes and their functionality. And yeah, sure, like that's, like, that's a reasonable, like, scientific hypothesis. But if once they're loaded and you have a normal, you have normal turnover of enzymes and molecules, like, things break down over time, nothing is perfect in biology, and then you need to replace that selenium, it shouldn't need another slug of selenium like there's still only 80 gabillion glutathione peroxidases in there so you don't need you shouldn't need another hundred gabillion <laughs> So yeah that's that's my my spiel about that um, Injectable selenium is understood to be short-lived um, so it might help like short term but probably like long term isn't doing too much and if you think you have selenium deficiency, I would encourage like diagnostics. Like if you really think you have a problem, like if you lose kids or lambs or whatever, like send one of those call your vet and get one taken in for like a post mortem. Like I said, it's a it's a gross lesion on necropsy that you can see it. You can see it microscopically. I'll post some pictures in the show notes. Um Yeah. And maybe this is why like that short-acting nature of selenium in the injectable form, uh, maybe that's why animals seem to tolerate it really well, um, or at least goats seem to tolerate it. Well, people, I have no people who give selenium in amounts that make me very uncomfortable, um, and I wouldn't give that much selenium probably ever, uh, but they do it and it seems to not hurt the goats um, it could be the interval that it's being given and the fact that a lot of the selenium is excreted if I remember correctly it is, he goes out in the urine um, and it just is like the body's like later I don't need this um, and it doesn't stick around long enough to make a big difference, could be um, goats being a minor species we may or may not ever have actual science about like does a lot of selenium make a difference for these guys. I'm a big believer that all of these nutritional things should be addressed in nutrition. Like the body has smart ways of figuring out what, how much of what things it needs from the diet. So like calcium and iron and all these things like are absorbed from the gut And the intestines are very smart about that. And, oh my God, I'm having flashbacks to physiology about the GI and, like, the different areas of the intestine and what they do and um, how they save different things that they need. Um, And, like, the body's designed to do that. It mostly doesn't need us messing with it. And because this like i consider selenium to be a nutritional consideration like we call white muscle disease and a lot of people in my experience who raise goats throw around like white muscle disease selenium deficiency throw around those terms a lot uh the the act the actual thing that selenium deficiency causes is called nutritional muscular dystrophy so i talked about like what happens when the selenium the enzymes are the selenium needing enzymes are deficient and those free radicals build up and they cause muscle trauma basically because of that um Intensely oxygen oxygen using type of tissue. So it's but the, even the the actual name of the disease has the issue in it: it's nutritional muscular dystrophy. Um, we try to fix these guys with. Uh, when it actually occurs and we have an urgent need for uh, filling up those selenium requiring enzymes uh, with selenium and then that's why we have injectable selenium but uh, it, the the name of the thing in and of itself has nutrition like right in the name um, so and in my opinion and the science behind it uh, like selenium is a nutritional consideration uh, I think the last, well, it might be the last thing to talk about, but the other thing that I see a lot of in, uh, in producer, in producers, goat breeders, things like that, people who want to give a lot of selenium, anytime there is anything wrong with tendons, uh, people want to give selenium and they feel like it fixes something, um, as I've gone through like the physiology and the biochemistry of what selenium is actually doing, I, I didn't mention tendons or ligaments once. I mean, yeah, sure, uh, protecting all tissues from oxidative stress and free radicals is important, and that's why the glutathione peroxidase is everywhere, but there's not a specific need for selenium in... Uh, tendons uh, I mentioned in the normal goat kid things episode that like I don't get excited about goat kids that have like uh, joint laxity or slightly contracted joints when they are brand new and a lot of people are like oh my god give selenium and they do and the animal quote unquote gets better there's an important phrase In uh, evidence based thinking, evidence based medicine, evidence based science, that correlation does not equal causation. So just because, like, I put on a blue shirt one morning and it rained and I put on a blue shirt the next morning and it rained and I put on a blue shirt the week after and it rained does not mean that every time I put on a blue shirt, it's going to make it rain. That's obviously an extreme example, but correlation does not equal causation. Lots of times in medicine, people get hung up on things like this, um, because you do a thing and then something else happens. It doesn't necessarily mean that the thing you did caused the thing to happen. Um, There's a lot of variables in biology and in medicine and correlation does not equal causation. So those kids with the, like kind of lax hawks or a little bit of curled under toes i i said in that episode and there like i started to get some uh videos on instagram of what i'm talking about uh i don't i don't give those kids selenium i don't think it does anything they are fresh out of the mom and like like i said human babies like don't even hold their heads up and we don't freak out about them and give them injectable selenium it's just not a thing um so, yeah. That, that's my deal there. I, that, those kids that, like, more, more important thing for managing your neonatal kids is, like, if they're on mom, mom generally does a good job taking care of them. Making sure mom is healthy and has healthy milk. And making sure the kids are warm and dry and acting fine and getting adequate nutrition, adequate milk intake from their mom or from whatever source it is. I don't... I don't think selenium is necessary for these guys. I, I'm sure there are many people out there who disagree with me and who like to give a lot of selenium. Um, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I was talking with some other vets about this because it's a kind of a universally experienced thing amongst us as vets that we have a lot of producers that want to give a lot of selenium. And... Uh, Honestly, it, it, it makes me uncomfortable because of that narrow therapeutic index. Um, and uh, there's definitely been cases where people have given selenium to groups of animals and caused them to die. I mentioned the thing about the horses with the messed up feed. and But, like, you absolutely can overdose on selenium. So... I think, you know, if it's something you're concerned about, there's things you can do. The first thing would be look at that map, like I talked about um, earlier in this episode. Look at the map, see if you're in a deficient area. You need to evaluate your animal's nutritional intake. Are your animals eating just grazing and locally cut hay and everything's coming from a selenium deficient area if so then it's reasonable to think about supplementing selenium somehow i would prefer supplementing it in a nutritional additive like a mineral or a mineral block or whatever have it mixed into your grain look at if your animals are eating grain look at where um look at how many parts per million Selenium is in that in that grain. I think sheep uh, selenium needs is something like 0.3 parts per million uh, daily intake. So that is a very very small amount of parts per million. Um, yeah so you no know, to talk with your vet talk with your uh nutrition person at your mill evaluate your feed if your feed is adequate you really shouldn't need tons of extra selenium i feel like that's that's it for selenium um it was a good review for me i hope it was helpful for everybody and uh if you want to email me and argue about selenium, or if you have other questions about it, you can always reach me at goatdockara@gmail.com, at gmail.com, which is G-O-A-T-D-O-C-C-A-R-A at gmail.com. Click the contact tab on the website, which is goatdoc.com. Uh, find me on the Instagram at goat underscore doc, and on Twitter at goatdoccara.com. And I think that's it for the moment. Uh, I'm driving around on calls today, so maybe I'll talk about some more stuff and get episodes coming out. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, appreciate the feedback and the rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. Uh, podcasts went to, like... 7500 ish total listens this week uh since like not just this week but like since the first episode back in June or July of last year so it's kind of awesome you guys are I don't know if people are telling their friends or sharing online or whatever but I appreciate you spreading the word um that is much appreciated and uh if you keep it up keep sharing and spreading the word, I will keep making the podcasts. I think that's going to do it for now, and I will talk to you guys next time.